0: Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up-and-coming brands, anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear, with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Roof Roofnest Roof Nest makes hard shell rooftop tents that allow you to camp anywhere you can park, completely redefining car camping and turning your trips into an entirely new experience. Outside Magazine even listed them as one of their top gear picks. Whether you're into overlanding or easy weekend getaways, a roof nest will turn any vehicle into a comfy bedroom on wheels. So how does it work? Well, the beauty of Roof Nest is it's all one piece. All tents attach right to your vehicle's roof rack and come with a built-in foam mattress. And once you have it in place, it takes less than a minute to set up or stow away, which means you'll be able to get outside faster and spend way more time doing the things you love. I mean, that's why we're here in the first place, right? They just launched their newest model, the Condor XL, which is a hard shell fold-out tent perfectly suited for up to four adults. Or two if you like your space. Hey, I get it. I like the sprawl out too. And definitely check out the Falcon. It's their most popular tent by far. It's only six and a half inches tall when it's closed, and it's perfect if you want to carry additional gear or your favorite toys with the optional set of crossbars that mount to the top of the tent. I'm looking right at you, skiers, snowboarders, bikers, and kayakers. The Falcon is the one that you're going to want. Check them out at RoofNest.com to see the great variety of tents RoofNest offers or call 855-887-8897 to speak with a RoofNest team member.
1: What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with one of the founders of Works, Sean Huff. Sean, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Definitely. All right, Works. How would you best describe... Uh, your business to someone who's never heard of you guys before.
2: I would describe Growlerworks as a group of craft beer lovers with an engineering problem. <laughs> and uh, to elaborate on that, we um, we're entrepreneurs and uh, we're a product innovation company, and uh, we've uh, launched the UKAG, which is a you know a reg- revolutionary beer growler and, uh, and, uh, really turned out to be a, I guess I call it a spaceship for any type of craft beverage that you'd want to take home and keep fresh and share with your friends over time.
1: That's really interesting. And it, specifically in the U S knowing how popular craft brewery is, um, how, how did you come up with this idea? What made you decide like, Hey, this is a problem that needs to get addressed because like obviously before this it was just you get some sort of regular growl like glass growler that you would take to your favorite brewery right and they'd fill it up and then after a couple of days it kind of goes stale and you'd the beer wouldn't be anywhere near as good <laughs> right
2: that's, ex- that's exactly what inspired us to start this company which is um the aha moment came during a an experience of drinking some flat stale beer uh that had gone um flat-and-stale in a a standard glass growler. And it was a local beer here in Oregon by a brewery called Boneyard, and they make an IPA called RPM, which is really good, but they've never packaged it in the bottle or can. It's only available on draft. Either, um, you know, they distribute kegs, uh, and I had, uh, or they serve on-premises. I had a a growler filled here in Portland, which is about three hours away from Bend. And uh, it was it was delicious the first day that I tried it. And, uh, two days later, um, it had gone flat and stale and the whole flavor profile that I was enjoying, um, had been completely ruined. And I just started thinking
1: there's gotta be a better way to do this. Okay. So this was in 2014 when you were coming up with the idea.
2: Yeah, that that the the uh, the stale beer experience happened actually in the summer of 2013.
1: Okay, so you you figure out that there's a clear issue here. What 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 steps did you go about in sort of trying to solve the problem?
2: So uh, the first step is um, started looking to see you know what was out there, and um, it turns out that. I wasn't the first person to think of pressurized growlers. Uh, beer containers in smaller sizes had had been around in various iterations for a while. And I, I was looking at it and I um, started talking with some some friends of of mine who i who I know here in Portland, who are design engineers. And those are my two co-founders, Brian Sonicson and Evan Regie. And we started looking. At, well, the first thing we did is we we started testing the available options that were out there, and this testing involved, you know, drinking beer, obviously, and uh, and deciding how we could make make the experience better. And then we just started learning um, from from our experience. Fill, you know, getting um, various things filled, types of growlers filled, and bringing them home and. And drinking them, um, you know, we started to innovate and we started to realize, oh, nobody had really cracked the code on everything that you need in terms of what the right environment is for the beer and uh, keeping it cold, keeping it carbonated, keeping it fresh and also being portable because, you know, the fun thing about beer is is not only being able to, uh, you know, take it off premises where it's brewed and back to your house, but also being able to share it with your friends. Um, over to their houses or um, what we call escape, which is if you want to go explore in the outdoors, you want to go to the river um, or you want to you know, take your beer with you on a trip to the beach or you know, so forth, uh, you could do that.
1: That's really interesting. Okay. So what's your background? Did you always want to start uh, a business like this? Did you have any experience really developing and tinkering with products like this?
2: Not really. My background is in engineering, um, but I was in the energy uh, industry, alternative energy. I I met my co-founders. We were working for a hydrogen power company. And so um, we were we were trying to save the world through um, through energy efficiency. And and now we're trying to save the world from stale beer.
1: (laughs) I love it. Um, okay, so you start working on this project. You develop. How long did it take you to really um, finalize the UK to the point where, like, okay, this is this is worthy of being sold, um, you know, online and retail and, and starting Growler Works officially.
2: So we developed some some key features, and um, when you buy a UK, one one thing is that uh the design aesthetic we 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 didn't have a um, a background in, in in consumer products but we did have a background in drinking beer and it's something that's just part of the culture here <clears throat> and we're we're all we all love that the craft experience of going to a brewery seeing how beer is made it's a you know it's an ancient art and um so it's really just really authentic when the you know the ingredients are coming from the local area and the brewer you know lives in the area and you might he might be your neighbor. And just seeing how um, this craft beverage is produced, it's a, um, there's an art to it. And there's even an art to the, the brewing equipment. And our product, the UKEG follows that tradition. And we wanted it to be made of honest materials. We wanted it to look um, like it was something that came from a brewery. And, uh, and so really making something that um, was as, you know, pleasing to store your beer in as drinking your beer is something that we really focused on.
1: Okay, so then in 2015, you launched your Kickstarter, which is one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns ever, raising a little over $1.5 million. Was that sort of, was that a shock to you guys? Did you think that it was going to be anywhere near that, um, that um, successful?
2: Well, we knew that we had uh, we knew we had a good solution <clears throat> to this problem that everyone's experiencing, which is you know, the, the, uh, there was more and more microbreweries available or you know, starting up out there. And the quality of the beer was getting really good, uh, but it was m- uh, mostly stranded because, um, you know, they're locked out of distribution or they don't bottle or package and you can really only get it on premises. And when we were, um, you know, pitching this idea to people we knew, everyone loved it. So we knew that we knew that um, that it it was something that um, that we thought people would like. And what Kickstarter platform really allowed us to do is just take that idea to the public and let and let, um, you know, let beer lovers decide. And it turns out that they liked it.
1: Was there anything in particular that you did when running the Kickstarter? Because like your, your original goal was $75,000. You clearly crushed that with over yeah. $1.5 million. Is there anything that you did that really um, you felt was a big reason for having such a successful campaign? Uh,
2: uh, well, we got off to a good start with the help of our, our uh, immediate friends and family. Um, so we just pulled together and, and it's, we feel really fortunate that we live in, uh, you know, Portland, which has a good entrepreneurial community, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of friends and family supported us. And so what that, help, helped do is, is ha- we first couple days, you know, our first day was a big day and we actually hosted a Kickstarter launch party at Hopworks Urban Brewery here in Portland, which is one of our favorites. And, uh, we invited everyone down and, and, uh, having a big first day, is really helpful, um, to, uh, you know, people recognize that and it kind of puts you on the map and it increases the, the visibility for, for your campaign for other people that might be interested in it.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Now, okay. So you launched the campaign, you're, you, you generate over $1.5 million in, um, in revenue from that campaign. Uh, what, what happened next? You, um, what were the next stages in, uh, in growth for, for Works?
2: Well, the next stage was uh, getting into production. And so it, it turns out that it, it was um, the, the first uh, UK we ever made, the one that you see in the Kickstarter video, if you've ever watched it, it was a prototype that was, uh, it was a custom made prototype. And I think the total cost of parts and labor to have that thing you know every part uh machined by hand was about ten thousand dollars and it was fully functional um but going from one 10000 thousand dollar prototype to ten thousand uh one hundred dollar ukgs um took a little bit longer we had estimated six months and it ended up taking us about 12 months until we actually
1: got into production and started shipping It must have been a stressful twelve months.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because um, you know our Kickstarter backers uh, were so excited about um, the product, they wanted to know when they were going to receive it. And so anytime you, you know, yeah, you delaying the the thing that people backed you for and wanted, um, yeah, it's always uh, everyone. Everyone is working for the same goal though, which was. to, uh, to build the rewards. Uh, and now, um, you know, every Kickstarter backer in the U.S. has their rewards and we're going to put out an update this week. Uh, there's only about uh, 150 UKs left in uh, internationally and we're, we're going to um, send them all out here soon.
1: That's pretty impressive. Now, along this journey, do you have any mentors that really helped you on the development side or really just the business side and marketing GrowlerWorks?
2: Uh, yeah, we've, we've had, we've brought on some advisors, uh, and one cool thing about Portland is the entrepreneurial community, but, but really what the one thing that we love about this entrepreneurial journey is the learning that that happens and the accomplishments that, that you make after you learn, those are two strong values that we have here at Growler Works. And, um, and so most, for the most part, we're, we're learning on the job and we're learning as we go. And that's one of the really cool parts of, um, you know of being an innovation company and and um not only are we innovating products but we're also learning um you know about how to bring those products to the market
1: what's been the hardest part about starting and building um crowd works let's see uh
2: not enough hours in the day <laughs> we uh you know we have a um a very innovative company and we have we have a new idea every day and you know just you know there's not, you can only chase you can only do so many things in one day
1: now along the journey what what would you say is one of your greatest fears and how do you manage it in regards to rather works greatest fears
2: um let's see you know uh my fear is that uh the number of of breweries is, and number of beers out there is increasing so fast. I'm never going to be able to try them all.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a pretty in, good fear.
2: <laughs> in fact, I, we were just doing the math on this. If you go to uh, the Great American Beer Festival, which we go to every year, have you ever been? Never, no. So uh, there's a ridiculous number of beers there. It's um, 800 breweries uh, and 2,400 different beers. So you. They serve, um, you know, there's they, they try to tone, you know, tone it down so they they're served in one ounce pours. It's not like your standard beer festival where it's like a three, you know, ounce or four ounce pour. Even at a one ounce pour, you couldn't possibly try every single beer at the event, even one ounce at a time. It would be something like 150 pints over the course of three days. So. It's just uh, you know, it's just it's just not possible, and it's it's actually one of the really cool things is the creativity that's going into craft beverages, and there's um you know there's a lot of different new styles coming out. So you have um you know you have like ciders, and um and there's some Belgian styles, and then it, it there's some sours, and then it almost um it almost kind of starts to blend the line with um you know, with wine and cider. So it's just a really interesting spectrum of, uh, of craft brew that's being offered. And it's all really high quality as well.
1: You know, it's a really good point. Um, how much it's evolved over the last 15, 20 years Because the United States used to be known for shit beer, (laughs) you know. And now, like, we make some of the best beer in the world. Like, just all of the breweries from all over the country making – just trying so many different um, ways of producing it, styles and just really uh, lots of innovative um, new beers. And, like, I've tried so many. Like, some of my favorites – like uh, my my uh, business partner before working on Ready Yeti, he used to work for a beer distributor in New York and they sold all the microbreweries um, to New York City bars. So like he would always have a case of something new <laughs> that I've never heard of where I would taste it. I'd be like, this is beer. This is really different but good.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. now um, kombucha is brewed in a similar fashion for, for people that are are not beer drinkers and you have cider for people that are gluten-free so there's really there's really something for everyone now and and it's all the the cool thing is it's all locally produced uh the brewers association recently put out a number that i found interesting that was uh 95 of all craft beer is consumed in the state where it's brewed so not only is um you know, not, not only is there that variety, but it's also a very local, uh, very locally produced, very, very natural product. Yeah.
1: You know, that's a really great point. Like I think about, like I've spent a good amount of time in the Northeast cause that's where I'm from, from drinking local brew, uh, beers to that area. And then I spent some time living in Utah and then I'm like, Oh my God, there's so many more breweries that I just didn't know existed <laughs> that are like based around here that have yeah. so many interesting styles of, Of beer and i'm just like huh this is um it's kind of like wine it comes from different regions (laughs) you know what i mean like
2: oh yeah and the beer tourism that's one of my favorite things to do now is if you take a trip somewhere and then you try their their um you know the 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 local varieties when we go to denver for example they're really good with the the citrusy ipas um and like everyone everyone has one and then you know you go uh You know, over to the northeast, uh, and you've got the New England style, and so everyone everyone has a a a take on it, Um, and it it's really interesting. In fact, there's you know, beer tourism is growing uh, all the time, especially with the density of breweries um, in in some of the larger cities that are uh, or some of the cities that are uh, are beer meccas.
1: Definitely. Okay, so for the listener, what are some of your favorite beers currently?
2: Oh, that's the toughest question, man. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> that's the hardest question, but, um, I do have a couple of favorites. So um, we have um you know, for somebody who's coming into Portland from out of town, um, we have uh, a brewery nearby us called uh, Grixon that makes one of my favorite beers right now. It's a uh, a Chardonnay saison. Uh, it's a Saison brewed with um, Chardonnay grapes. Uh, we also uh, have, if uh, it's kind of an organ treat, we have a beer by a brewery called Coalition, which also has a, a brewer incubator. And uh, and they offer a beer called Two Flowers. And Two Flowers is a CBD-infused beer. I think there's like four milligrams per serving or, or something like that. So... Um, that's, uh, you know, legal in the state. And then, uh, you know, Widmer, uh, which we, who we work with, uh, they recently opened a, um, a new tap room that has a number of rotating taps, and they collaborate with the Oregon Brewers Guild, which is a home brewing guild here, so that um, a new style is always on tap, which is a collab from the organ, which, which, a a home brewer with the Oregon Brewers Guild and they serve it at their their tasting room.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in um, the beer industry or really just like a business in general?
2: The advice I would give is, um, there's a saying that I use, which is uh, if you... Succeed, uh, it, you know. If you win, you succeed, and if you lose, you learn. So, it's a no lose. It's a no, There's a no lose situation, uh, and just uh, unless you try something and move forward.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty great advice, especially in entrepreneurship where you fail a lot. <laughs> you know, you have to um, you have to realize that that it's a process and it's part of becoming successful, right? You have to have those failures to learn so that you can make the right decisions um, going forward.
2: Yeah, you hear the, you know, the, um, you know, the, the analogy that Michael Jordan uses about uh, how many shots he missed in his career. He missed, he missed most of them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't really appreciate that until until now.
1: Yeah, that's a really great point. Now in regards to Growler Works, where do you see it in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? Um,
2: Well, in the future, you know, we like I said, we want to continue to innovate our products. Um, We want to, um, you know, continue to to offer our UK Growlers for the craft beverage industry uh, and craft beer and also other um, craft beverage industries. And uh, you know we we're really um, customer focused, and so um, where um, where we see a problem or where we see a, a need, um, we're going to continue to focus on that and, and offer n- new products that uh, that people continue to love.
1: Definitely. And what's the best part about running Growler Works?
2: Oh, that's the easy one. I, I never thought I'd get paid to drink beer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I bet. That's um uh, do you have any idea how many different types of beers you've tried at this point?
2: I've I've lost count.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but good. uh
2: I did notice the um number of, of microbreweries, another number from the Brewers Association has surpassed seven thousand microbreweries in the US this year. And uh the average um American um or, uh, basically um it's a uh, night over 90% of Americans live within less than 10 miles of a craft brewery.
1: Wow. So, uh, anyone listening who hasn't, hasn't, uh, gotten started trying all the different, uh, local breweries definitely, uh, <laughs> do that since I can't 10 miles. That's crazy. That's pretty interesting t- statistic. Um, now over the course of this journey, obviously you've come a long way and there's a lot of things you have going on in the future. Um, I wanted to uh, first off appreciate you for coming on the show and sharing your story and all the things um, that you have going on with Growler Works. But um, for listeners that want to keep tabs on all the things that you have going on now and in the future, where's the best place for them to do that?
2: Well, you can sign up for our email list if you go to our website, and uh, signing up for our email list will get you a coupon code for ten percent off any on web web purchases. And then um, and then you can also follow us on Facebook, GrowlerWorks Growler uh, uh, Facebook account, and we're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Uh, but uh, our, our email and uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram are the best ways to, to keep up with what we're doing. Uh, the other way is if you're ever in Portland and you stop by – Feel free to uh, or you're traveling for Portland, feel free to stop by our our headquarters. We have a, a a retail showroom, and we welcome our Kickstarter backers if you're for those of you who are out there and any new customers to stop by and check us out. And then I know that uh, Ready Yeti's doing a giveaway right now. and if you enter to win, uh, you're entered to win a chance to win the gift uh, grand prize, which includes a UKG.
1: Yeah, and if you're listening to this before September 12th, you can head over to ReadyYeti.com for your chance to win the UK along with a ton of other gear. And with that, Sean, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and share the story of GrowlerWorks and everything you guys have going on. Thanks, Josh. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready A podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.